The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living. You know, yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the horrors of September 11th, 2001. But 10 years is hardly enough time to forget that. As life goes on, those directly impacted had to find a way to heal and make peace with the tragedy, however difficult and despite daily reminders of loved, lost ones. Their stories of resilience and recovery serve an inspiration for the rest of us, and we're talking to the co-authors of the new book, Project Rebirth, Survival and the Strength of the Human Spirit from 9-11 Survivors. Psychoanalyst Robin Stern, who is with us now on the phone from New York, and award-winning journalist Courtney Martin examine the lives of eight such individuals who had the courage to pick up pieces of their lives and put them back together again, showing the universalities of grief and the amazing human capacity for survival after tragedy. Project Rebirth is really more about 9 than 9-11. It's really a study of grief and a testament to our ability to live through grief and come out the other side. Now, we want to let you know that this book was written, Project Rebirth, in conjunction with the documentary Rebirth film directed by Jim Whitaker. Rebirth premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year to great critical acclaim. And it's going to be released theatrically by Oscilloscope Laboratories in August and will air on Showtime on September 11th, which was yesterday. The Hollywood Reporter praised it as a work of art and really and truly respiring and inspiring. Robin Stern is our guest. She's a licensed psychoanalyst, educator, author with more than 25 years of experience treating individuals, couples, and groups. Welcome, Robin. Thank you, Patricia, and thank you for that wonderful introduction to both the film and the book. I, I'd really be very happy to tell you about a little bit about the history of the film and the book, if that if you think that that would be something. Um, sure, are, I do. I want to know also like, how you got involved as a psychotherapist. How did you, because you've written other books on other topics. Yes. What brought you to this project? Well, that's part of the story. Um, what I teach at Columbia University, a teacher's college, and I was um, privileged to be one of the faculty members there, along with other faculty from Columbia and Georgetown uh, University, uh, to see the archived interview footage of all of these subjects. And so taking a step back from that, let me tell you a little bit about the project, um, about the, how the film the filmmaker agreed to then um, have his interviews archived, and, and it'll be clear how I got involved. I, um, Jim Whitaker lost his mother six 
months before September 11th happened, and mm-hmm. he became very interested in studying grief. And uh, then he set up 14 time-lapse cameras around the side of Ground Zero after the towers fell because he was also interested in capturing that moment in history for his kids and for the generation of kids who would really not have lived that, and um, and for all of us to never forget. So he, mm-hmm. in his movie, in his acclaimed movie, he um, uh, set the personal stories of nine people who he randomly selected after after the tragedy. Uh, to interview every year on the anniversary of 9-11. He set those stories against the backdrop of the physical rebuilding of the site. But the bigger piece of Project Rebirth is that it, it seeks to be a beacon of light, a, um, uh, a center where there will be training and education, research and dissemination of research for first responders and other caregivers. So Project Rebirth itself has a very big mission educationally, and the film and the book are part of that. And the way I got involved, as I said, was I was at Teachers College when the educational initiative started. And the educational mm-hmm. initiative um, began with the archiving of Interesting. all And that really became, approach. right, the book and the movie, just from the archiving. Well, the, arch- the movie was into. already in process. And mm-hmm. I saw the movie. I saw I saw the um, trailer of the movie, uh, which was in the making then. And the trailer at the time was used to involve people in the project and and bring resources to the project and um, and spark interest in the project. And I thought this is really an amazing opportunity to bring these stories out into the world, and, and kudos to Jim Whitaker, who is this incredible visionary and wonderful storyteller. And I invited my friend and colleague, um, Courtney Martin, who is a wonderful, award-winning young journalist, as you said, to then see the trailer of the movie with me and hoped that she would fall in love with the project as well and, and want to and, and see the compelling need for a book to yeah. go along with the project, with the, with the film, and she did. And so, All right, now I want to ask you some questions here about sure. yesterday because yesterday was 9-11 yeah. and you were in New York. You were there. Oh, were you at Ground Zero? Yesterday, no, I was not. I was actually at the Garrison Institute um, speaking um, about honoring... Lives lost and dreams what lost. Was, what was the mood? Tell us about. Tell us about what you saw there. What you felt. The mood was one of deep reflection and sadness and um, amazement at the strength of the human spirit. Mm-hmm. I think that um, we. What happened as a result of showing the movie and, and holding the space for people to reflect a bit and to remember their own time in 9-11, as we heard over and over again from the audience, um, that they uh, they didn't realize how fresh their memories still were. They didn't realize how much they still could touch those those feelings of horror and sadness. And, and they... Uh, many people in the audience, and we, we had a crowd of about 70 people, maybe more, uh, many people said they just didn't realize they still had so many feelings about 9-11. And at the same time, in 
watching the movie and the mo- the movie has a just to make the um make the point of distinction the movie tells the story stories of five people and the book tells the stories of eight people because in making the movie Jim felt he just couldn't include that many stories and and have it be a cohesive whole so um in following those stories yesterday of the five people and and hearing a bit about the people who were not in the movie People were amazed. Oh my God! You know that woman lost everything. Speaking of Tanya in the book, and and her world totally came apart. And here she is in 2011 with her new husband in a new life that she has much joy in, with two beautiful little girls. And um, there's a kid in the movie, this young boy Nick, uh, who loses his mom in the um, collapse of the towers because she had a fabulous job at a fabulous place, Cantor Fitzgerald, and she was on the 104th floor when the plane hit, and, mm. of course, she didn't make it. And um, his his world came apart. He lost his relationship with his dad. He moved out of his house, and then you see him years later um, having a renewed relationship yes. with yes. his dad. Yes, and I saw and, some of that yesterday on television. It was very, very compelling. Yeah, let's, it's, let's it's talk amazing. about another person in the book, Charles, who was oh. an ordinary New Yorker. He's fabulous, fabulous guy, quite a character. He um, he's an amazing guy. He was in Harlem in his apartment in Harlem on the day of nine eleven, and he happened to be watching TV, and he heard some radios on on the show. He was watching TV. He was watching a program about new firemen or firemen in training. Mm-hmm. And um, he heard radio saying something about the World Trade Center, and so then he put on the TV, and then uh, on another channel, and or it came on that channel, and he saw what was happening, and he decided that he's a New Yorker, and he ne- needed to do his part, and he walked from Harlem to Ground Zero. Mm. And how long um, did that take him? Hours, it, hours. It took him hours. And what's incredible mm. about that is when when I met him and we spoke about, you know, well, what what moved you to 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 be a part of the the rescue mission? What moved you to stay there? He reflected back to his own childhood when he was taking the train down south with his with his grandmother during World War Two. And his grandmother was um, smoking cigarettes. And when she was done smoking cigarettes, she was wrapping up, she was taking the foil from some of those papers. And he said, well, what are you doing with that? And she said, I'm saving the, the foil for the people. We, we have to be part of the war effort. Everyone has to do their part. Hmm. So that when Charles knew that there was something going on at Ground Zero that could use his help, he felt, I need to do my part. An amazing, amazing guy, amazing guy. Tell us another story that was very, I mean, there are so many, but pick pick another one from the book. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, there's Debbie. Oh, well. Debbie Alamant. There's Debbie Amentazer. Debbie Amentazer. And Debbie's actually been um, quite a figure in, in um in education since 9-11. She, um, one of my favorite stories about Debbie is, is from the book and actually from, of course, from her interview where the, her first experience was with the United States was um, unfortunately a disappointment. She, grew, she got up and when she came here with her family from Yemen, she was a preschooler and, and she looked out the window and it was 
completely covered in white, and she said, oh, my God, there's, there's sugar everywhere. There's sugar everywhere. We have to get the buckets. We have to get the buckets. And her parents said, no, it's not sugar, and um, it's snow. And in the book, um, I think poignantly we, we tell the story that she ultimately tastes the snow, and it tasted like nothing. And um, so Debbie's early experience was to be ecstatic about the opportunity of being here in the United States and, and also a disappointment. And I think that the struggle for her over the last 10 years has been up and down like that. She's, she was a classroom teacher in a school near Ground Zero at the time, um, sitting with her classroom, getting news about the attacks from a parent coming in telling her. And being of Muslim faith was then asked to participate in a... Um, in the healing of the city by being on committees and organizing um, uh, communications between different um, different peoples. And that's been her work, to be a communicator, to be a healer, to bring worlds together. And in doing so, she, she founded and, and started what is uh, the Cahil Gibran School. But mm. because of a scandal at the time that she was later... Um, that later turned out to be, of course, bogus, and she was vindicated. Um, but there was a scandal at the time that um, forced her to step down, and she couldn't be the principal of the school that she had founded, which was the first dual-language school and with Arabic and, and English. Um, so she's had some major achievements in, in bringing worlds together and, and some major disappointments, and she's a beautiful example of resilience. And to, to this day, she is working towards that effort to um, close the gaps of communication and to bring peoples together for greater understanding and greater empathy. Yeah. You know, Robin, you are a psychotherapist, and I remember your book, Gaslighting. You talk about behaviors and people who try to um, manipulate other people in a very subtle way, and, and right. you're very involved in human behavior. How yeah. did this, writing this book and being part of this different experience, how did this affect you personally and your work as a psychotherapist? Great questions, Patricia, um, as only you know how to do. Um, uh, I'll give you two different answers for that. The first is that I, um, it was such an honor to get to know the people in the book and to watch their, the hours and hours of interviews and moving alongside of that rebirth. Of, of the rebirth of all those people's lives, of uh, moving alongside of the moment-to-moment -moment of resilience and um, the ups and downs of resilience and the, and the ups and downs of grief and, and the um, living with two different feelings. Tanya, at the end of the movie, for example, and I'll get back to myself in a minute, but Tanya talks about how it's completely possible to still have grief and yet live with total joy for her new life. Mm -hmm. And um, seeing Don't they that, call that a new normal, living a new normal? Yes, she was living a new normal after a trauma. When you reconstitute your life, it's, it's usually referred to or often referred to as a new normal. That's your new normal. Um, and I think, it, for me, it shined a light on uh, how strong we are and how living through trauma... Um, 
you know, the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, it's true. That, that when you live through it, you see that you can begin to pick up the pieces. You see that you can begin to, to use the resources. A really important part of helping yourself heal is allowing people to help you heal. You know, being able to take in the resources from the outside. And, and, and I, I was just, um, reminded of the complexity of resilience that it's not, people used to think it was either you were resilient or you weren't. It was like a personality trait. It's not. It's really a combination of um, some temperament, some personality traits, some uh, resources that you have on the outside, how supported you are by family. Many people say that um, you, you can enhance your resilience and be more resilient in the support of a uh, loving family or a loving circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And that's true. And, and um, as I said a few minutes ago, the ability to take in help is also an important part of building resilience. And and seeing that you can continue to have personal agency, that you can say, you know what, today I'm going to do this, and tomorrow I'm not. Mm-hmm. And then um, I want to talk about this with you, and I don't want to talk about it. So even making yeah. small choices after after life events have robbed you of total control and you're completely feeling powerless, Making small choices can bring you back to a sense of, okay. Yeah. And empowerment. And empowerment, empowerment even if right. it's small. Just, so let's go back to how this affected you in your work, particularly as a psychotherapist. Are you working more now or drawing, gravitating more to people who've been through grief? Um, no, I think that, um, I mean, not particularly is the answer. I am... Uh, I work with people who are in grief. I work with people who have been traumatized, and and I, you know, we many of us have had traumas in our personal life, not to the the public scale of nine eleven for sure, but many of us have have had their own our own personal traumas, and I think that shining a light on resilience and uh, moving forward in writing the book has has been more forefront for me in my practice. And I think I, I work in a way where I help people to um, to call up whatever their purpose may be, to keep a focus on where they're going and to keep a focus on moving and um, living a purpose-driven life. So in that mm-hmm. sense, the shining the light on resilience has has just supported that effort in in my work with people and mm-hmm. and I think for me personally um, I found that it was hard to go to ground zero during the time that I was watching the interviews. I was definitely personally more um, on affected alert. excuse me affected uh, more on alert yeah more um, I had I am part of an organization that I mentioned yesterday, the Inner Resilience Program. Uh, we've been supporting educators and uh, who were who ran for their lives and ran with children, saving their lives on on nine mm-hmm. eleven. And that office is located in um, at Forty Exchange Place in New York, which is right in the financial district. And uh, over the last couple of years, whenever I've gone to a meeting there, I found that I was more um, physically um, agitated being in the area and just feeling, 
just feeling all the the weight of all those. Um, you can feel the, the energy. Loss. Yeah. You can feel the energy. Let's go to a story here. A little bird told me in your book, Nick Charles. Tell right. us about Nick. Nick is a young boy who lost his mom. And um, he, somebody who at the time had a very certain direction. Um, he was sure that he wanted to follow in his mom's footsteps and go uh, be a player in Wall Street. And ultimately, over time, he tuned in more to, um, or he found a, a greater calling for himself. And uh, perhaps as a result of processing all of what happened, and perhaps it would have come naturally anyway, but he uh, felt called to write. Um, and he began to write about his mom and, and write in search of um, a fuller picture of his mom than the mom um, who was on Wall Street and, and home with him, hugging him all the time. And and as he began to see fuller pictures of his uh, fuller picture of his mom, he also healed his relationship with his dad and and saw a fuller picture of him. And and um, Nick um, right now is is working in a way that integrates both business and uh, service in his life. And one of the one of the places in in Nick's story in the movie and in the book that is just extraordinary is, um, as you may have read, when he was doing the memorial for his mom, he um, got up to the podium to speak, and uh, the, the second that he said the word mother, hmm. the first time he said it, a little bird landed on his head. Really? And he said um, in the movie, he says, you know, it wasn't almost perfect. It was perfect. And he picked up the bird, and he held it in his hand. And he says, as he tells the story, that he could swear that there was some kind of recognition. And he goes on to tell us that um, he's not a religious person. And up until that point, he wasn't, he didn't have a spiritual um, practice that he talked about at all, and he said, and yet, the little bird landing on his head exactly when he said the word mother, and then letting him pick it pick it up, and that moment of looking in its eyes, he said it's, it's, it defies explanation, and that he's absolutely sure his mother was there at that moment. Amazing stories of courage and hope. You know, Amazing I interviewed story. a woman. I think her name is Leslie Haskin. You may know about this. She wrote a book several years ago about 9-11. And she was there. And she talked about how when she was in the building and everybody was moving, she said, and everyone was crowded. It was as though they were moving all together in unison. Wow. As the As the room moved. She said they all, they just all moved together. They held each other. It was just an incredible piece of humanity and cohesiveness at that time. It, it's too bad that we have to have tragedies for that to happen, isn't it, Robin? It is, and I and um, Courtney and I talked a lot at, as we were writing the book about how, um, at exactly that point, and how um, we can use those moments to remind us that we don't need those moments to appreciate our fa- friends and family, to give gratitude for um as I said yesterday, every day of our lives, and um, to 
to remember to be kind, to remember that your neighbor is, is somebody you're connected to in the world and that you don't have to, you can move more in unison with people than against them. And, um, and we all love and we all lose. Mm-hmm. And um, we all are called to, to begin again when that happens to us. And, and we all have incredible strength to call on. We have time for one more story. Joe Keenan, Digging Out of the Darkness. Well, I I wanted to, actually. I I was thinking about Michael Lyons when... Okay. And Brian Lyons, and Michael Lyons is the brother he lost when you said that. And the reason for that is um, we were talking about Nick and the bird, and and there were so many stories of synchronicity and so many Mm -hmm. stories of, like, there's just no other way to explain it that happened. And so I wanted to share one... Um, about Brian that is not in, in the movie but is in our book. Okay. Um, sometime, you know, as I said, he lost his firefighter brother, Michael Lyons, um, in the tragedy. And, and Brian is a salt-of-the-earth amazing guy with deep integrity and, and wonderful family values and terrific family. And he um, was uh, taking the train one day shortly after he had been uh, he went down to the the site of the of ground zero the disaster to look for his brother and he ended up staying for months and actually he ended up staying for years because he is a construction manager and supervisor and has been he was one of the people to take the freedom tower out of the ground and he's still there to this day um so with a uh, with the exception of a couple of um uh, of some time where he was doing another job, he's really been at Ground Zero for 10 years, um, uh, creating this amazing um, legacy for all the people who were lost, including his brother, and honoring him in every day that he does that. But So here's the moment of synchronicity. He's on this train station, and, and I guess he must have been looking pretty despondent and um, pretty sad, and, and this guy who was standing on the station uh, with him said, you know, something completely unprovoked um, or unasked um, for, said something to him like, um, it's going to be okay, you know, it'll all work out, don't, don't worry about it. And they, they struck up a brief conversation. At the end of the conversation, um, Brian extended his hand and he said, um, nice to meet you, you know, I'm Brian. And, and uh, the guy extended his hand and said, Nice to meet you, too, on Michael Lyons. And it was this moment where he was stunned to the core, where he got on his train and the person with his dead brother's name Mm. went in another direction. Mm. Wow. Wow. Powerful, powerful. All right, Robin, closing thoughts for the audience. What? What's the message of the book in general? And people can learn more by going on to projectrebirth.org, correct? Or by the, yes, you definitely can learn more about Project Rebirth and the film and the movie if you go through the site at uh, Project Rebirth. You can also buy the book on Amazon or on my website, Robin Stern, or links to Amazon through my website, robinstern.com. And, um, final words, Patricia. Um, the final words that that you say every day, you know, be grateful, um, appreciate your life, uh, love your family, um, and and I think that again and again through this book, we we law we saw and we learned that um, and witnessed that people carry their love forward, 
into their new normal, into their new life, and that people integrate their experience of trauma and they make meaning of it as they move mm. forward in their life. Yeah, very true. Very true. Whether it's uh, 9-11 or it's anything else in your life. Whether it's 9-11 yeah. or it's anything else, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm grateful for you and for, for the work you Thank do you. in the world and for bringing this show out, mm-hmm. for bringing this topic onto your show and, and for having me be your guest. Thanks, Robin. The book is Project Rebirth, Survival, and the Strength of the Human Spirit from 9-11 Survivors. It's a companion to the documentary film Rebirth, and that film was developed by, um, tell me, oh, Jim Whitaker. Jim Whitaker. I want you to make sure I had that right. And the co-authors are Dr. Robin Stern and Courtney Martin, and we are on the phone with Dr. Robin Stern. Thanks, Robin, so much for being on the program. Thank you, Patricia. Really appreciate it. Okay. Okay. All right. Stay on the line. Again, uh, projectrebirth.org, or you can go to robinstern.com. You've been listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Write to me, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.